All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back on the Pipe It Up podcast with another episode, and I think it's a relief to many of you Magic fans out there, but uh, the season is officially over for the Magic, and uh, they squared off with the Mallards last Friday, my squad, and a bit of a lopsided matchup, but I think there's still a lot to unpack about the Magic season, as well as a lot to look forward to if you're a Mallards fan, so going to be a good episode, and uh, this is the Pipe It Up podcast. Cue the intro. Jack, thanks for joining me tonight. And uh, is it a relief that the season is over? You think? <laughs> How you feeling? Um, you know, I I delayed watching this video obviously as long <laughs> as I could. Um, but mm-hmm. I think Kyle in the intro of the video put it the best way possible that the Magic were kind of just crawling to the finish. Um, that's kind of how I felt, even though I wasn't involved in the last couple of series. But, um, you know, when when one thing ends, a new a new begins. So the 2022 season was not what the Magic were looking for, obviously. Um, but I'm very optimistic, as always, for my squad going into the next year. I still think we have a lot of things to build off of. And, um, you know, I'm looking forward to how we can improve. And, we do have that draft pick, so you know we're, we're going to make sure that we're scouting effectively and uh, you know really putting a lot of thought into that pick because it's going to mean a lot for us next year. Yeah, it's definitely I think something to be optimistic about the fact that you now have a draft pick because before when you were tanking, you were two and seven or whatever. A lot of people in the comments, and I'm sure in your head, you're thinking, "Oh gosh, like we're in last place. We have no draft pick next year. Like, what what are we going to do?" Type situation. But having that pick that you got from the Gators, I think, is for sure huge. And I, I hope that you, both the Magic organization, the players, as well as the fans, like, don't get your heads down too low. We've seen so many teams in this league over the course of a season turn it around completely. The Gators were 2-13, and 13, the same record that you had when we implemented the draft, and then the next year had two selections and won the World Series. The Diamondbacks um, had never won a postseason game prior to making their World Series run um, this year. My Mallards team finished four and eleven last year. Flipped the script totally. Finished eleven and four this year. Best record we've ever had. So I think that uh, with wiffle ball and how small the rosters are, like one draft pick, one player can make like a crazy difference in terms of the success of your your team. For sure. And um, the other thing is, I feel like not to you know we're not feeling sorry for ourselves at all. Um, but I think the Magic had a little bit of. Uh, of Murphy's law in the idea this year that what can go wrong will go wrong. Um, and I think it was kind of just uh, all the the wrong dominoes, you know, fell for us this year. Um, I still think y- that over, uh, over time, specific players um, will show their true abilities. So what, I, what I'm kind of saying by that is like, Take Trevor Bonham, for example. We'll talk to Trevor later on this episode. Mm-hmm. But um, is Trevor really a sub-100 average hitter? Uh, I, in my heart, do not believe that. Um, I think for whatever reason, it just wasn't his year at the plate. Um, I don't know if that was like a confidence thing or you know if it was kind of just a team bug that we all caught. Um, and you guys caught a bad case of the... We caught a virus. The, <laughs> you caught a virus. We caught a bad virus. I don't know and, what we should uh, name that virus, but yeah. we had it last year in the Mallards organization, and we finally we got over it. <laughs> the bad batting virus uh, 
did not originate from bats, um, unlike some other viruses. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I just don't think that uh, I just don't think that that was an accurate representation of our team. You know what I mean? Like we only play so yes. many games in a season for MLW. So when you look at just statistics in general, like the first thing they teach you in school and statistics is you got to have a large sample size. And really, one season of of MLW is not a large enough sample size to really determine how good of a hitter or pitcher or anything it's someone is, in my opinion. Um, and I mean, if you've seen it, you've had years no, where I you're crushing totally it at agree. the plate. Yeah, you've had years where you're crushing it at the plate. You've had mm -hmm. some down years, but you know, overall, you know, you'd be a great example. Like, I'd lo I'd love to know what your career batting average is because. Um, it's, it's, you know, I know it's solid and there's good years and bad years. That's just how it works out. Um, so I still have confidence in, in Trevor for sure. I'm looking forward to hearing from him later, but yeah, I just kind of wanted to put that out there. Um, I don't think that this season was an accurate representation of the ability that we have on our roster. No, it's, I've, I've definitely made this comparison before, but I'm, I'm really thinking about it now and First, let's compare MLW to like the baseball that I've played in my life, right? Being high school baseball and travel baseball and whatnot. In high school baseball, you probably have five different game days within your first one to two weeks of the season, right? In the MLB, they're playing five nine-inning games within the first five days of their season, week one. MLW, that is your entire regular season. That's the only thing the Magic have to look at for their performance this year. So yes, it's spread out over the course of a few months, but it's crazy to think that, yeah, like a slump in baseball, like a, a guy, like a great player, let's just take um let's just take Aaron Judge, for example, who's crushing it, of course. Um, he could start off the first like three weeks of his season slumping, you know, hitting 150, only one or two home runs, and everyone's like, oh, Judge is in a huge slump right now. Well, three weeks, that's probably, you know, 19 games or so for Judge. Whereas for us, we're only playing 15 three inning games or five nine inning games like it's such a small sample size so you really have to perform you know if you don't get things clicking within your first one to two series of the year it's super frustrating and then it's just like such an uphill battle from there so um yeah i think a huge ticket for the magic i think next year is going to be how you guys come out of the gate because mm -hmm. it can really set the tone it really does um, this year, I think us beating the Cobras in our first series was super helpful for our confidence and just for just just to see the number going up in the win column compared to last year, where it was such an uphill battle was, I think, huge for my team's confidence, even my own. And yeah, and that's like part of it, right? That's the the sample size. Like you start the season hot. You got confidence going into the next series. And depending on how that one goes, you know, you only have three more series left. So, you know, you feel good about what you guys are doing. And like you said, with the MLB, it's like we see teams go on losing streaks of 15 to 20 games. And then the next thing you know, mm -hmm. they're winning like 25 out of the next 30. Like that, that yeah. happens all the time. And when you only have 15 games in MLW and you show up and you know, your main guy or two of your main guys happen to not have their stuff that day, that could easily be a sweep. We've seen that many times this mm -hmm. year with the Magic, right? That turns yes. into a sweep pretty easily, mm -hmm. and now a fifth of your season is gone, and your average is not looking great. So I think no. just putting it in perspective is important um, because 
at the end of the day, like we said, it's just a small sample size. Um, I'm confident in my guys next year, and I'm really looking forward to it. But also, um, I think this was a great series for the Mallards going into the playoffs. I mean, it wasn't necessarily the hardest competition, um, but in terms of like polishing and just overall confidence, who would you rather play going into the playoffs other than the Magic? I <laughs> Jeez, mean, Jack, it seemed like every, everything. <laughs> I mean, it just like we'll call it like it is. We call it like it is on the we Pipe do. It Up podcast. We do. And, uh, you know, it just it seemed like it was uh, everything was working for you guys. You know, you had three different pitchers. Uh, mm-hmm. Jordan was, you know, great on the mound and at the plate once again. Um, everyone kind of got involved hitting. It was great to see Caden uh, get a home run. I know his average is is a little slumped this year, but he's a he's a player that can, in my opinion, I think you'd agree, Tom. You know, you got your core at the plate there with you and Jordan, and mm-hmm. if if Caden can really step into a uh, larger supporting role for you guys in the Mallards, I mean, you could take mm-hmm. your you know, you could easily take your run total average, whether it's, I don't know, three, four runs a game to five, six runs a game. And now you're you're a much harder team to beat. So it was it was good to see Caden um, get the back going. I thought Davenport looked really good. Um, I know well. he wasn't going very well. He pitched well. He 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 wasn't going up against the most star studded lineup, but there were uh, a lot of pitches that he had that were moving a lot and he was mixing it up. Um, I know he you've talked about how much work he puts in and how much you like him. So um, that was cool. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, this was something interesting that I thought the we've talked about it a, a couple times on the podcast. But, you know, you know a little bit more about pitching um, than I do. But I thought it was interesting how in this series, especially, but um, overall across the board in the league, so many pitchers are adding this two seam fastball pitch as right-handed pitchers um and I haven't really seen that too much so far in my career in MLW but it seems like people are struggling with it a lot um I don't know if you had any like thoughts or opinions on that or if you've noticed that as well throughout the year 100% I have and um yeah I've, I've definitely said it before I think Cratch inspired you know a whole new pitch into this league right um he threw it and no one could touch it. Everyone saw how nasty it was, how much it moved. Even though I feel like camera doesn't do it justice. You have to see it from at the plate or from even over the shoulder. It does it a little bit more justice. But, I mean, it is wicked how much it comes back towards you as a right-handed hitter. So I think every pitcher in the league was like, well, how the heck is he throwing that and why can't I type situation? So I think everybody kind of took some time through a bullpen or two and tried to work its way into their, work that pitch in their arsenal. So Jordan mixed it in a few times and it was it worked really well for him. And uh, it's a tough one to hit. It's a tough one to hit for sure. But um, speaking of pitching, you mentioned how Davenport threw well and how, you know, the magic was good timing for us and whatnot. And gosh, I hate to once again add more salt to the wound, Jack, but I feel like you're right. And here's why. Because yes, we had a postseason position secured um, coming into that series. We had at worst the two seed clinch with a chance to take the one seed if we did well and the Eagles do poorly. So there was pressure there on us to win those games, right? Not direct pressure, like <laughs> win or go home type pressure, but there was right. enough pressure to like make it feel like a game we had to win and kind of create those jitters that you can't really replicate. So I thought that was a perfect opportunity to get Caden and Davenport on the mound in like a 
somewhat of a high pressure situation to try to somewhat replicate like what a postseason game would feel like or what a high pressure situation would feel like. Because the reason being is Jordan's been phenomenal for us, right? All year he's been he doesn't have the nastiest stuff, but he attacks the zone. Um he's a gamer, he's competitive, he knows how to step up, and he's a good leader on the mound. But I just haven't seen a team really just cruise to the postseason with only one arm in, you know, two, three years in this league. It seems like you have to have at least a second guy. And it might take even more than that this year. So, you know, that's a point of concern for me. Now, Caden threw well in Oklahoma, yes, but you know, extremely small sample size. That's one day he threw well. It was awesome. Yep. So really coming into this series, I wanted to throw, um, in my mind, I wanted to actually go Caden the entire game two and then Davenport game three. But I think what had happened was you guys threw Bonham again head to head and I could tell Jordan wanted the ball. So I, I went with Jordan again. And then once we had a nice cushion, I, I still wanted to get Caden in there. But I told Caden, like, you know, treat this like it's a, you know, a, a one nothing game. You have to hold this lead. So I tried to really make the reps as productive as possible, um, even though I do think we're a better team than the Magic, and I think I think it showed. But I wanted to really put some some kind of pressure on my guys to try to prepare them for a series against either the Eagles or the D-backs. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it was it was a good series for us. It was a good showing. I thought we had good at bats. I thought we were patient, but also attacked pitches that were the ones we wanted to hit. Um, I thought everyone kind of did their thing. Caden, Davenport, Jordan all pitched very well. Um, we all hit homers and it was just, you know, it was a good day. It was a good day for us. Now that's where, you know, as how much a year can change, you know, that's where the bar was for us though, right? We wanted to get those three wins to put some pressure on the Eagles next week. So it couldn't have gone much, much better for us. Yeah. I think that, uh, you know, if you, if you look back at, at the home runs you guys hit and the balls you put in play, um, Trevor is, I think we've talked about it before. Um, and we'll see what he has to say, but. Trevor is a guy who, similar to Jordan, will attack the zone. He he throws strikes. Absolutely. Um, his pit his pitches don't necessarily move the most, but they're pretty similar pitches from the most part. Um, and basically, mm-hmm. you know, he is forcing the other team to actually hit the ball, and good teams will do that. And I think that's what you guys proved is, you know, you backed up the numbers that you and Jordan have had all year long and even Caden got involved and those pitches that were, you know, over the plate in your guys's respective wheelhouses, you know, you crushed them. So that was, that was good to see, you know, for you guys, the execution. It was interesting for me to get to face Bonham as he was, you know, my former teammate and someone who I'd never faced before and someone who always kind of confused me a lot like Sailor. It's like, wow, how is this guy so dominant? Because as you said, Trevor doesn't really have the most movement either. He's the guy who attacks the zone. But attacking the zone is so important. I always say throwing strikes is, you know, more than half the battle. But I can see 100% why Bonham gives people fits. Um, I know I homered twice. Those were my only two hits of the day. And it's just something about the way he kind of throws. I mean, I call it a fastball. I think he calls it his drop ball. But it, he really, he throws it overhand. And it, it's almost like a cutter. It's very, almost like a knuckleball. It's very unpredictable movement. Mm-hmm. And it kind of, each ball kind of dives down a different direction. Um, and it's tough to square up. I think both the home runs I hit, oh, I think the second home run was a riser. The first home run I hit was definitely um, that like fastball he has, that drop ball he has. And um, I remember, you know, because I'm, 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 a, I'm a very much of a thinker at the plate, which is maybe a good thing, maybe a bad thing, but I've been really focusing on my approach this year. And I can remember after he struck me out in the first at-bat, I think my second at-bat is when I hit my first home run. 
And I was thinking to myself, like, all right, it doesn't move a whole lot, but just, you know, make sure you get on top of it because the ball does, the ball, you know, don't, just because it drops, it's not like a curveball. It has very slight movement. So I tried to just let the ball travel, put a good swing on it late, swing hard, and it worked out. But it's it's definitely like like a slider to me, or specifically, I like sliders. Everyone in the league kind of knows that. But sliders to me are very easy to track to your bat. They're very predictable. They move laterally, whereas bottoms pitch, even though it moves significantly less than a slider, uh, it's tougher to track. It's more unpredictable, so it's harder for me to square up. Yeah, it's kind of similar to some of the success we've seen with Nick Saylor. He's another guy who doesn't have, you know, a ridiculous Dallas Allen, like, banana ball in his arsenal, mm-hmm. but he knows how to locate. He attacks the zone. Um, every once in a while, he'll kind of hang one, and some will, and a good hitter will hit it. That's just, you know, the nature of the game. But by and large, I agree with you, Tom, where taking the approach of attacking the zone, you know, making hitters earn it um, rather than just giving up walks is, at the end of the day, what's going to, you know, lead to successful wiffle ball and wins. He hasn't, obviously, Trevor just has not gotten the support this year. Um, his record does, is, is you know, bottom, bottom of the league. Um, but I'm pretty sure he's up there in strikeouts. Like, he's, he's you know, definitely struck people out. Um, and yeah, like I said, good, you know, the old adage, good teams win, great teams cover. I think the, uh, the over under was probably set at (laughs) two and a half wins for the Mallards on this series and they covered. Uh, So it's funny. (laughs) No, I give credit to the magic guys. Um, being someone who struggled last season and had a frustrating year as a team, I give credit for them going out there and trying and I could see the frustration and I could see, you know, a lot of myself, you know, in Trevor going out there and doing his best, but, you know, kind of getting shelled a bit. So I felt for him. And um, I do think there are positives. I actually thought Curdy um, kind of quietly had a decent year at the plate. I feel like the expectation for Curdy is yeah. kind of like, oh, he's a funny character, a meme. But he definitely was like a serviceable hitter. Am I saying he's a Jordan Robles or a Kyle Schultz? Well, no, not yet. But he he can play. Let's put it that way. He can for sure play. Um, I mean, I would, I would argue that um, after we got rid of Chadwick, he was the best hitter on our team. No, I think you're right. Like you could make you could make that argument statistically, and um, he also does his uh, does a decent job of just taking walks. Like he, for the most part, is uh, is a smart hitter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think he could potentially be a piece. I wouldn't say he's the guy to build around, but I think he's a piece that could be used like as a three, maybe a four hitter. Um, and then I still think Bonham's a great arm. But I, I definitely think that the Magic, um, whether or not you know you return to the team as an everyday guy next year, but um, I definitely think like a franchise guy is what you guys kind of need to, um, you know, re-excite the organization and the fan base, and just adding that piece to really excite some people and, and get people excited because that's what we did with the Mallards, and so far so good. So, for sure, I thought um, also someone who impressed me was. Uh, James Swanson in the field. Um, maybe not so much at the plate. He was putting balls in play. <laughs> Poor James. I wanted kind of getting his first robbed. Hit. He, yeah, he, did he was kind of play though. He got robbed a couple times. He did get robbed, but um, I I've mentioned it a couple times that the the Magic's defense, uh, especially myself when I've been out there, just our defense has not been up to par with the rest of the league, and uh, he looked very comfortable out there made some great plays in the field. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was another, you know, another guy who who impressed me for sure. Yeah, and give credit James too for coming out there to a at the time two and uh 
what a two intense squad going out yep. there and giving it his all again. Um, it was good to see, but I do think there are things to be excited about, right? You don't know exactly who's going to be added to the magic, but I know it's going to be someone with a lot of talent, someone who can, you know, reinvigorate a franchise and, and get, get the magic back in the hat. If you know what I'm saying for the, for the boys in purple. So for sure, um, magic fans wear this one on the shoulder, put that chip on your shoulder and, um, you know, come back next year. It's not over. It's never over. It's on to 2023 for the Metro Magic, and I think that's where we'll leave it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I think it's yeah. We can't we can't dwell too much more on it. We are gonna have okay. We're saying that we're gonna have Trevor join us in just a few moments. Yes. Um, but there's more to talk about than just the the downsides of the season, right? I I want to hear. We really haven't talked to Trevor a whole lot about the trade from last year to this year and this season. So this is gonna be more of a, a season overview, I think, uh, with Bonham more so than just like a. Talk about the Mallard sweeping you type situation. I don't think anyone really wants to hear that conversation, especially not Trevor. <laughs> yeah, probably not. All right, folks, we got him on the line now. Trevor Bonham is with us. Thanks for joining us tonight, Trevor. Thanks for having me. No problem. Old teammates, now we're enemies, but I'm 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 Team Magic. I hope you guys know that I'm Team Magic, and it, it was uh, tough to watch this season. But I wanted to get you on, Trevor, because we've talked a lot with, of course, I've talked a lot with Jack this year about the Magic, and I've spoke with Jason in regards to the trade and all that kind of stuff. But I feel like you've had a pretty unique journey um, throughout your career. You know, you were drafted in 2020 to my squad. I believe I took you fifth overall in that draft. And, um, you know, you were joking. <laughs> I think it was caught in the mic'd up. You're like, you had never actually made the playoffs with a team that you started on that yeah. season. So I don't think anybody else in the league can say that. And I'm sure you're not proud to say that. But once again, I- I'm much at fault for two of those years. <laughs> I think there are a lot of factors that play this season. So just take me through, first of all, last year being traded, making the postseason and playing with Jason. Like, where did you think... What honestly were your expectations for the Magic coming into this season after making the ALCS last year? Uh, <laughs> I mean, to be honest, it was definitely to at least get to the ALCS again this year. I mean, mm-hmm. we had pretty high expectations. Just, it just did not work out how we thought. Honestly, oh, I hear the pain in his voice. <laughs> it, it's it's painful. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, to be honest, I feel like. The Magic were a bit disrespected in the preseason power rankings, but I was kind of high on you guys as well. Um, I thought, just from what I had seen with you going to the Magic and how you and Jason were blending, like I had really high hopes, and I thought you guys were going to be kind of the new dynamic duo in the league, but things change. And how much of a shift do you think the energy was, like what you felt playing alongside Jason and the rest of your friends on the Magic from last year's postseason to this year's regular season, you know? Days like when you played the Preds, when you played the Wildcats and playing us, just how much different did it feel? Uh, it, it felt a lot different, to be honest. I don't know. It just didn't feel like we were clicking on any sort of level, and that is just not going to do it for wiffle ball. Like, it felt like if we let up a run, we were going to lose a game because we were just not hitting, and that's just – I don't know. I feel like a lot of our confidence was in the drain, so it just really affected our play, and I don't, just really did not translate on the wiffle ball field. I have a question. Um, I have said this as my personal feelings, but I I actually haven't really talked to any of my Magic players about this. But um, Trevor, how how much or you know any effect at all would you say um, me just not being able to be there 
um, throughout the summer like affected the mood or energy of the team? Um, like, you know, did it affect it at all or was it not really, didn't really matter? Like, what do you think? I, I don't think it was like, I don't think it was a huge factor. Like, I don't think series you weren't there. It was like, Oh, Jack's not here. Like we have no shot, but <laughs> right, right. <laughs> like, but it, I don't know. Uh, you definitely brought energy to the team and like, obviously, you know, the homers came from Jack, you know, in big spots. So, you know, we missed those in, in big series. And I, it just – it felt like our team was just so different every series. You know what I mean? You get what I'm saying? Like, I, we had the same around players, but, like, I don't know. It just, like, if every series felt different. It never felt like we had it going. You know what I mean? Like, it just – I don't know. We all didn't just have, were, like – Didn't have the mojo going? Yeah, you know, like it felt it, like in the first series. I say we did though. We like we played the Eagles pretty well, like a one-two series against the Eagles, and it probably should have been a two-one because I choked the one of the games against them. So I mean, we started off fine, but I don't know. After that, it just nothing clicked. The magic season is what I like to refer to as a funk. Me and me and Noah, my roommate that I've mentioned on this podcast many times, you may have known him as a former league MVP. Uh, we we lived together for a couple years at Michigan State, and sometimes like. There'd be days where, like, I wouldn't want to go out or, like, hang out. And he'd be like, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't know, man. I'm in a funk. I just don't want to do anything tonight. <laughs> so that's, I think the Magic's entire season was just kind of a funk. Yeah, yeah, I would have to agree. And it just was not – it was not fun to be a part of. Like, we – I was trying everything in my power to not be in a funk and to just try to be good, to get put runs up. And we just – I don't know. Just couldn't do it. So how do you yep. stay positive now? And how, how have you stayed positive this long just – with you being, you're Trevor. You're a good pitcher. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not saying you're the best pitcher in the league, but I'm not saying you're much better than I am. Or some of like the number two arms and even some of the aces in the league. Like you've proven with your ERA and your strikeout totals that you're, you know, a top tier arm in the league. And it's impressive you maintain that for the most of this season too. Um, so how do you keep your confidence up? You think what are your keys to success next year and keeping that mojo on the mound? Well, I mean, I, for next year, I just gotta totally forget about last year i mean we have a, a, a probably a new team i mean i, I think we're obviously going to get a draft pick or whatever so i just gotta work in the offseason i really needed to, to develop a pitch because uh, riser sliders in this league are just they're just too easy for hitters nowadays like everyone's so good now so i don't know i'm just gonna have to develop definitely a couple pitches and then hitting obviously i'm just gonna have to do everything better because it was just a rough season <laughs> I think that also it kind of uh, like you alluded to, Trevor, where um, it was like, you know, we give up one or two runs and we felt like we basically lost the game at that point. I kind of felt at times, at least in the series I played, where it was almost like a, you know, we we, we joked about it earlier before you got on, but like a, a bug, like a virus of like bad hitting. You know what I mean? It's like you can only say like, when everyone is like striking out like over and over and over, you can only say like, Hey man, it's all right. Like so many times before, <laughs> you know, it just gets annoying. So then right. it's like, now what do you say? You know what I mean? Like I kind of felt, I kind of felt as a manager, you know, it, it, like there were times where I didn't even know what to say. Cause it wasn't like in the series that I was playing that I was, you know, racking up home runs and RBIs. I was doing the same thing that you guys were doing. So it's tough for me to be like, you know, you got to swing on top of the ball a little bit more. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, does that make any sense at all? <laughs> no, it, it makes perfect sense because that's how it was all season. Nobody 
could tell anybody what to do. <laughs> like, it yeah. seriously was, we had the least amount of energy I've ever seen a team have. Like, nobody knew what to say. Nobody knew what to do. Like, we were all just like, what is going on? Like, nobody could hit the ball in the air when we did hit it, too. Like, Jason had two homers on the year, and that was it. Like, nobody else hit one. Like, it was just... We just had no big hits to, for like RBIs. So just we, the momentum was never there. Never. So looking back, looking back on the season, um, knowing what you know now and how we kind of went about it, um, maybe like one or two things. What would you say were things that either you individually or the Magic as a team or me as a manager would you have liked to see differently or, or, you know, happen differently? I mean, for one thing, I think consistency in this league is like, it's key. I mean, we, I think we need to, whatever lineup that we like come up with. I mean, obviously if someone's struggling, we need to, you need to switch it up. Like obviously that there's situations where that happens, but I think, you know, I mean like, like the wildcats are a good example. The mallards this year, you know, the Preds, they have the same lineup and same team every every game. You know what I'm saying? And, and it's just consistent. Mm-hmm. So it works for them. We need to figure out something like that, I would say. And then we just – I feel like we just need, like, a, a hitter, you know? Like, a, a big hitter because in moments where we need big RBIs or, like, a, just a big hit to get the guys going, I feel like we just don't have anyone that's really stepped up to the plate and done that, but at least this year. I mean, last year we had, you know, a few moments where it definitely happened, but this year it just did not come. So I feel like that needs to change for sure. Those are my, those yeah. are my suggestions, I would say. No, I'd agree with that. I think, uh, I mean, we've talked about it before, just like the clutch, the clutch factor in sports in general, but in wiffle ball too is, is huge. And, you know, we see guys like like uh, Jimmy Norp. We talk about how clutch he is all the time with just stepping up in the right moments. And I agree with you. I think last year in our playoff run, you know, sometimes it was you. A lot of times it was Jason. Every once in a while it was me. But, you know, we had someone step up in the big moments. And that kind of adds to, you know, when you don't have that, I think that adds to the the sort of like, you know, batting bug that we were talking about where it's like, not only can we not, you know, sustain hits, but even when we do get a couple hits, we don't have anyone that can like step up in that big moment to like bat them home. And then that just brings your confidence down way more. So I do think it was kind of like a domino effect and that that clutchness that, or lack thereof, I should say, um, definitely played a part. But yeah, I, I feel like we started losing uh, trust and faith in each other because we all just didn't have that one hit or the big hit, you know? Mm-hmm. So it was just like, we're on, oh, we got a single. It's like, it's not a homer. <laughs> it really doesn't <laughs> matter at this point because am I going to get home? Probably not. So mm-hmm. it was just, it was, it was just a disappointing time. Now, Trevor, I don't really want to put you on the spot here, but um, I got to ask. Um, just, you know, I've seen you be successful too at the plate at times. Um, you had a very clutch home run for us on the Mallards last year in our opening series against the Wildcats. And then as soon as I traded you, it was like clockwork. Um, like I was super happy for you and the way you were progressing and you had a couple big home runs off the Cobras, both in the regular season and then again in the playoffs. So like speaking from someone who me being didn't hit very well last year and I'm hitting a lot better this year in terms of power, especially and kind of in like big situations with runners on base and stuff. Like, do you think you could be that guy? Or do you think like you want to focus on your arm and being more of a role player at the plate versus 
taking on like a big name to be a hitter. I'm definitely not going to shy away from being that guy. I'm going to do everything in my power in the off season and, and during the season to, to be that guy, because, you know, I want to be, I want to be in the big situation. You know, I want, you know, guys on base and, you know, we're down one or something like that. And, you know, mm-hmm. I get a big hit, like, but I, I don't know. I, I just have well, to put in the work. I can't, no, I can't yeah, say I'm going to sure. do that because I thought I was going to be that this year. And, mm-hmm. you know, it really didn't work out, but I'm going to, I'm going to do everything in my power to, 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 uh, to just not be a pitcher. Like I, I want to be both. I want to be able to do both. Yeah. I think, like I said, I've been using the Mallards analogy a lot. Like me this year to last year or last year to this year, I should say like, Jordan being in the lineup, I think helped me a lot just with my confidence and with the energy and stuff like that. And, you know, me trying to, you know, not like, don't let Jordan just carry me. Let me do my role. Let me do my part. Let me work hard and, and contribute to this team's success. So having a guy like that in your lineup, like a spark plug, I think could be huge for your own confidence and your own production at the plate. Cause once, once you, like you guys have both said, and I've said it too, when, when no one in that dugout seems to be getting the big hits like ever, it's just so hard to, <laughs> to all of a sudden just get it going. Like it's consistent production from multiple guys, I think is what leads to success. For sure. I think, I mean, I honestly think that's why I started off so good on the magic. I mean, I came in and Jason and uh, Liam and Jack were all hitting pretty good. Like they were getting on base. It wasn't just me. So mm-hmm. I don't know. They were just, it, it obviously infused confidence in me at the plate and I hit a couple home, big homers and it helped. And I don't know. This year we just—I mean, we've talked about it. We just didn't have a lot of runners on base or big hits. So I don't know. We just didn't have—I didn't have the confidence or momentum going into the box to like feel like I could succeed in that situation. You get what I'm saying? Hundred percent. Hundred percent. For sure. I hear what you're saying. I think that a good way to kind of surmise our our year was just sort of a reality check. Um, every other year up until this one, we had always been um thought of as like the dogs in in the al and uh even though maybe the preseason power power rankings didn't put us up super high this year i feel like most of the fans and the rest of the league um and kind of the magic like you said like our expectations were very high um and i think that you know looking back on it now obviously hindsight's 2020 but i think looking back on it that was kind of a negative thing for us i think we kind of um, as Nick Saban would put it, you know, ate the rat poison a little bit. Um, and, and, and yeah, I think we kind of lost that chip on our shoulder. Um, and we, you know, I guess, I mean, this sounds a little harsh, but maybe felt that we were a little bit more entitled than we were, you know, if you're not going to put in the work and show up every day, it's, you know, it's not going to go well for you in a competitive league. So I think that that played a factor too, just kind of a reality check. I think we thought, we we should be there instead of just playing our game and showing we should be there. You know what I'm saying? Like we were exactly. just like, oh no, we we proved it last year. Like we're we're a good team. Like we're just gonna cruise into the playoffs and then we're gonna focus on the Wildcats because that's who we're gonna see. You know what I mean? And it just did not did not work out how we thought. Like we just kind of got it blew up in our face, honestly. But the positive and what we can take away from this, Trevor, is that we're having a very constructive conversation right now. And a lot of lessons I think have been learned uh, a lot that we can take into next year. So um, I, I can, I can tell you from a, from a manager standpoint, there's a lot of things that I'm going to do differently. Um, a lot of new things that we're going to do as a team. 
And uh, so I'm excited. I think you should be excited. I think what you said about wiping the slate clean and having a short memory about this past year is, is the best way to go about it. Yeah, we have to. We have to because, I mean, we well, Tommy is on the podcast, so this is a perfect example. We're, we're just one piece away. I mean, uh, you know, they got rid of me and added Jordan, and look, they're they're having an amazing season. So <laughs> that's harsh. That's harsh to say. I, I know that's I know that's that's he's one of the best football players ever. But like, if you know, if we get the right piece and things start clicking, I really think that you know the magic put it, could put it together. Like, I, I still have faith in LJ too. Like, you know, LJ's a good hitter. Well, I've been so high on Liam in the past. Yes, like Liam is, I know he, I mean, we all didn't have a great season, but Liam, when he's on, he can hit anything. It's it's so crazy, but we just we just need some of that. So you kind of like mentioned it, um, and I don't mean to like put you on the spot, um, but I think we've had a good conversation to this point, honest, honest conversation. At, was there times throughout the year where you were just kind of like, you know, seeing what we were doing as the magic and seeing what the mallards were doing and kind of just like kicking yourself or was it, you know, was it not like that? No, I, I I don't think so. I mean, it was, I thought it was funny that of course, you know, the first season after I leave that, you know, they started doing really good, but I was like, ah, it's, I, I took my chances. I mean, it was, it was a a 50, 50 thing between me and Tommy. It's not like he just shipped me off or I asked to leave like a bunch of people still think, but uh, yeah. no, he, he asked me if, you know, I thought this was okay. And, you know, I, we both mutually agreed it was best for the team. And I, I still appreciate my playoff run with the magic last year. Like I had so much fun with you guys. Like that was some of the funnest wiffle ball I've ever played in my life. Like we were just all going crazy and having a good time. And the chemistry was insane. Yeah. I know it went down for the wildcat series, but I still think we were, I mean, our heads were kept pretty high after losing that series. I don't think any of us were like, dang, you know, we're, we're going into next year with our, you know, heads down or anything. We were just like, you know, it wasn't our day to day, but you know, next year we'll come back and get them. And it just, I don't know. Yeah. I'd, I'd agree with that for sure. I, I asked that question because I was in a kind of a similar spot too. uh, the year I left the Preds the next year, they, they went on and won the world series. So it was like, oh, wow. Nice. But, uh, I never really. <laughs> Like maybe, uh, you know, of course I'm a human. So every once in a while I would be like, wow, what if, um, but I still stand my, my decision to like, you know, be a part of the expansion, the league and become a manager myself. So, um, I hope that you haven't felt that way, but, um, yeah, I appreciate the honesty. No. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, it's, it's been a blast. I know this year was a little disappointing and uh, like I said, it felt like None of us could say anything to each other to pick us up, but next year I'm coming in with a clean head. Like I'm not, I'm not going to let anything weigh me down from last year or start overthinking things. I still, I still trust the guys that we have and I think we could still put it together and have a good season next year. So I'm just going to put in the work in the off season and hopefully it pays off. I also, I want to clear the air real quick. I think this is a bit of a conspiracy amongst both MLW players and maybe fans too, probably fans. I think there is a, there is a, uh, I could call it a theory or a conspiracy that like I traded Trevor knowing that I was going to get Robles the next season because like I worked closely with Kyle. Um, that is definitely not the case. Um, and to be honest, like there was, we had mentioned like for years, like that was like a goal of ours was to get someone of like the Robles caliber into MLW. But um, I had not a slightest of clue that that was going to happen this year. 
even that he would even be interested in doing it, let alone that. So like, just to put that out there, guys, I did not dump Trevor knowing I was going to get Jordan. I didn't uh, use any insider knowledge. Just FYI. That's actually funny because that's the first time I find that out too. <laughs> is that what, is that real? Like people actually think that? I mean, I'm not gonna lie. Like we have a little group chat. And all See, what did I tell you? What? Jack? what did oh I tell my you? gosh! What are we talking about that? Boys are like, dang, Tommy really just dumped Trevor and knew he was I'm not gonna lie. It definitely popped in my mind. I was hey. like. Hey, hey, checkmate, Tommy. I can't if, even if, like. If anybody thinks that, you guys can message Kyle and bother him because he was in the room with me and he was a part of the discussion when Robles entered the conversation. And believe me, I was not the one who brought that name up. So Kyle can have my back. I mean, now that I'm thinking about it, it was all too convenient. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. That's funny. I didn't even know that was like a thing. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely been talked about. I think that's funny that you brought that up, Tom. I thought I would never figure that out. And uh, funny story, if I didn't get Jordan, I was probably looking at Sawyer being, no lie. That was probably going to be my guy. Nice. So, that's oh, not a bad second option. Oh, how the league has changed, huh? The addition of Jordan Robles. So, so then... By my calculations, uh, wait, oh, do we have the first pick? You have the second pick. Have I have the, the first pick because I have your pick. <laughs> oh my gosh, I forgot about that. So you're gonna get Wiffle Boy plan, 28 baby. now, all too, aren't plan. you? <laughs> if I gotta fly him from Japan, I will, Jack. Whoever I gotta get, he lives in Japan. No, I'm saying anybody, the best player I can find oh. on the planet. Um, before we go, Trevor, I do have one more question to ask. might even be kind of a hard-hitting question, but I feel like i got to ask what the people want to hear. And um, what was going through your head when you heard about the departure of Chadwick going to the Gators? It's kind of crazy because it was the day after the Cobra series. I believe he meant the Wildcat series. And uh, I was golfing with Jordan, and um, he uh, texted us on like the 14th hole that he uh, texted you, Jack, and like, he uh, sent your uh, screenshot of the messages, you know? Mm -hmm. I don't know. I was, uh, I think my first reaction was definitely pissed. Like, I, <laughs> I, I don't think there's any other way I could put that. Like, I was definitely very angry, but I don't know. Fair. It took me, it's just because the whole ride home, we're like, Jason's like, you know, we're not giving up on this team. <laughs> like, we're all talking about like the next series. And then not even 24 hours later, I find out he wants to be traded. But after, like looking back on it, you know, I, I definitely understand his decision. He's been on the magic his whole career and nothing's really happening this season and he wants to make the playoffs. So it made sense. Yeah. I, I think, uh, I think just, you know, we, we've talked about it a bunch, but from a fundamental standpoint, you know, if you, if you don't want to be here, I'm not going to force you to be here. You know what I mean? And I might as well get some assets for you as I see you off. So, and you want people that want to play for your team too. Like right, right when I heard that, it was like, all right, well, what are we going to do without Jason then? Because, you know, it was just like, I, I don't know. It was just, it's tough. You just, you know, I, I don't know. Like I feel for him. I feel bad for him, but I'm also like, Oh, we got to move on and like figure out what we're going to do because. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was the, that was the same for me. Like letting you go, Trevor, it wasn't easy. Like, yes, I understood like we weren't winning. And our current formula was not working, but I also was letting go of arguably my best player, right? So it wasn't easy for me either. And I kind of was like, well, this last series is not going to be fun. <laughs> Probably the same way you felt. So 
it wasn't easy letting you go either, but I was like, well, I feel like I have talent here, but we're just, it's just not working. So I had to let you go. The other thing is Trevor, do you like, I feel like looking back on it, part, part of the reason that you were even someone I went after was because of Jason, because he was kind of recommending you and thinking it would be a good idea. And you guys are also really good friends. Um, so does that kind of like, you know, make, is that what sort of makes it sting a little bit too? Yeah. I mean, that's definitely the reason I was mad. I mean, I, I went, I wanted to be on that team because of Jason, obviously. And you, mm-hmm. you know, the match where, you know, I could help them get to the playoffs at the time. So it was like, okay, this is kind of a win-win, you know, I came into the league with Chris, Georgie and Jason. So Chris and Georgie are on a team. So it'd be cool if me and Jason were on a team. And I think we, we could have success. So that's how I looked at it. And then when I found out he wanted to be traded, I was like, dang, like it would have just been nice if he like had a little conversation with me beforehand. Like I Oof. found out just the same time everyone else, I was like, dang, like you were, you didn't even like, let me know you were thinking about it. Like, Hey, I'm going to see how we do in this next series. And if it doesn't go the way I think, like I just, I it was just in the dark. It was just on the next day I found out. So I was like, ah, this kind of sucks, but folks breaking news we have drama in the metro as jason chadwick departed without referring to his sidekick trevor bond <laughs> but hey wiffle ball wiffle ball wiffle ball is a lot like dan said about the arcade it can bring people together or it can tear them apart i mean i had the same problem trevor i had the same problem with uh like i mean my original mallard squad was all like my friends and then slowly like people started to be less dedicated less talented and then weren't showing interest in playing but then like i wouldn't play them and then they'd be mad they weren't playing and it was like what the heck is going on it still happens to this day so it uh it can bring it together or it can tear you apart but i hope that uh you and jason can, can work through it like the mature adults that you are oh yeah no we're it was it was never a problem and the, in the, in the heat pain. of the moment i was upset <laughs> but it was just like uh Nothing like getting upset at your boys every once in a while yeah <laughs> you know what it happened the, boy, the boys will be boys the boys will be boys <laughs> But all right, Trev, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Good having you on. Bummer of a season, but I'm looking forward to uh, seeing what you can do next year. You know, I think this was therapeutic for me. So I, I appreciate you guys asking me to come on. No problem, Trev. No problem. Anything for you. All right. I'll talk to you guys later. Yep. Thanks, See Trevor. See ya. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All righty. Well, thanks again to Trevor for joining us on the pod. Um, I think, like he said, that was pretty therapeutic for himself uh, and myself as well. Um, you know, we got to you got to talk about the hard topics <laughs> sometimes. And um, I appreciate his willingness to come on. Yeah, uh, it, was, it was good to have Trevor on. Hadn't heard from him all season, I don't think, on this podcast. So and him and I haven't really talked too much either. So nice chatting with him. But uh, what else is going on, Jack? I heard you want to introduce a little new segment to the pod. Yes. So um, we wanted to kind of bring some freshness to you guys regarding the podcast. Um, Tommy and I brainstorming some potential segment ideas that we could 
we could talk to you guys about. So one that we came up with is going to be our In Other News segment where we talk about stuff that is going on in the world, not related to MLW. Um, And so right now, uh, as we speak, Aaron Judge, uh, you guys have probably seen, has tied... uh, Whose record was it? Maris's, right? Yeah, another Yankee. Roger Maris's 1961 record of 61 home runs in a season. Um, so this is tied for uh, seventh all time, I believe, um, the record. And he's got, what, three days now f- to, to, to break that record? Is that right, Tom? So yeah, he's got three days. Regular season ends on Wednesday to get number 62, which would that be the American League record. So these those guys at the top are all between, you know, 1998 and 2001, um, which has sort of been like a controversial Definitely a controversial uh, era. era. <laughs> controversial era, we'll say, in baseball. Still pretty incredible nonetheless. Um, I don't even, like, understand how someone can hit that many home runs. Like, that is just... That blows my mind. How many games are in MLB season? Like 162. 162. 162. That's crazy. I mean, that's like over... That would be... It's like over one every three games. I'm trying to do math. That's like, yeah, I was going to say, that's over a third of the games you're hitting a home run in. Um, I tell you what, if Aaron Judge ever wants to get into MLW, (laughs) the Magic have... We might just have our draft pick. We might just have our draft pick right now. (laughs) But no, when when he uh, when he tied the sixty one, now chasing sixty two, the first thing I did actually was look on our you know website at the twenty eighteen, nineteen, twenty, and twenty one seasons at at the you know stats at the Meadows to see who's done the best, and um, I think Kyle has the current Meadows record of thirteen in a season. I think him and Daniel both hit thirteen in Ooh. in twenty eighteen, and then last year a couple guys hit eleven, but that record of thirteen that I'm sitting I'm seeing sitting there from twenty eighteen. I'm not sure that that can ever be broken either. The pitching is just tremendously, it's so good now. And the bullpens are so deep before like guys could pad their stats off the number two arms. You know what I mean? But now mm-hmm. it's like you have teams like the Cobras with, with Baranowski and Bean. Eagles have Allen and, and Schultz. It's like, how are you supposed to, <laughs> you know, how you can't really pad your stats at all. You got to earn every single one. So yeah. Jordan Robles is re- leading the league right now with eight and his regular season's over. That'll probably be um, the highest total when the regular season concludes next Friday. But I just don't see those numbers of 13 being beat at the Meadows, if I'm being honest. Just the pitching's too good now. I feel like you're just not, if you're hitting that many in a season now with how smart the pitchers are, you're just you're not getting that much to hit. You know what I mean? You're not going to get that many ABs where the pitch, the pitchers are really trying to attack you. So do you ever see that record yes. being beaten? I don't see that record being beaten in the foreseeable future, especially because I feel like, um, you know, it's going to be interesting with the league getting here. We are. This segment was supposed to be in other news, but we're talking about. I'm well, I had, I had to tie it back somehow, um, right? No, of course you <laughs> did. But um, I feel like, you know, if anything dimension wise on the field is going to change we're going to have to move the fences backwards yeah not closer so it's <laughs> not closer so it's only going to get harder um and like you said the pitching is just getting better every year um you know we like the magic didn't have a great record but for the most part our pitching was you know not anywhere close to like a um 
Seahawks team no. in like 2016. You know what I mean? Where that was the that was the exactly. stat pattern. It'd exactly. be like, all right, we're playing the Seahawks. I could get four home runs. You know what I mean? And and have a good day. Uh, we just don't have those teams anymore. So I think that record will stand um, for the foreseeable future, for sure. I'd be curious. Um, did did you happen to look back at at all the years uh, at Colts Field and see what the record was for that? So I believe in 2010 there was a 25 home run season. There was a 26 home runs. I think I hit 26 in 2012 or something like that. Um, but once again, we played more games. So you were, we played more you games were back then, Jack. Fourteen. Yeah, not even probably. Um, played more games back then. Um, me and Kyle only had two guys in our batting order, so I get more at bats back then. Now guys are seeing like the Eagles team, for example, they have five guys in their batting order. So like, you're not even getting right. up every inning. Um, right. So those Colts field records are. I mean, with every era, like any sport, you know, they compare it to like the modern era. I definitely mm-hmm. think the era we're in now. Um, I mean, you could say it's even changing year to year because, like I said, now the number two arms are, are are so much better. But really, I think the Meadows is kind of its own era, so that's why I kind of looked at 2018 and, and for those for those records. So let's back to the Aaron Judge thing. Let's mm-hmm. just say, in theory, um, you know, you're pitching to him over the next couple of days. Um, are you going to be a guy that kind of? you know serves one up on a platter for him or are you just gonna be basically throwing balls to him the whole time because you don't want your name in the record books so i i've thought about this before because i the instant that um Derek jeter hit a walk off in his final game at yankee stadium three four years ago now and it was just a cookie i mean the guy served him an absolute meatball and i was like bro was he just like trying to let him get a walk off or like what was that <laughs> you better he just missed really bad on a pitch yeah but to me, if i'm the pitcher jack i'm just speaking about myself like i'm not that type of competitor i'm not worried about a record or anything so i'm i'm just going to pitch him like i normally would if i would if in my strategy with my catcher and my coaching staff the plan is to pitch around him i'm going to pitch around him if the plan is to attack him i'm going to attack him i'm not going to be like he's about to hit a record like what do we do i wouldn't really cross my mind with the with the mature young man that I am, I agree. I agree. Um, I just think, I mean, you say that now though, but I just think I that know, if you were but, actually put in that situation, um, like it just no one, wouldn't no be one that remember, bad either way. No one remembers way. you, bro. No one remembers you. They remember Judge hitting a sixty second home run. They don't care who it was off of. In my opinion, I right, but like you still could be like, "Hey, kids, <laughs> I was the one who he set the record." Against. I mean, so is that a good thing or a bad thing for you? Because that's kind of like also a cool story. I don't know. Like, I think it. I I don't think it's really a. I don't think it's really a bad thing unless it like you know unless they're. I'm not sure what their schedule looks like. Like, if they're playing a fringe team that's like really trying to win and that you know ends up losing them the game, then yes, that's a bad thing. <laughs> yes, um, your team is most if important. It, you know. If it's kind of meaningless, um, I don't know. I might selfishly give him a meatball, watch a cool home run. <laughs> so you want him to break the record up? <laughs> why? Why not? I mean, it's it's like history. Like it's sweet. I mean, you look at that list, and no one, uh, you know, no one has even come close to that. Like, well, I shouldn't say that, but I'm, but the, but the people in the top, you know, nine or ten. Like they're all from that suspect era, mm-hmm. 
and then and then it's Roger Maris from 1961 and Babe Ruth from 1927. So it's like it's not an easy thing to do. It's a super that's why it's super a big deal. difficult feat. Yeah. So it's like I don't know. I will give say, the guy a meatball. Let him do it. I will say, Jack, that um, like you're saying, you'd be proud to like tell your kids when they're like, hey, you know, Judge hit that home run off me, and that was that was that. I'd say the stories that I tell the most from my high school baseball days are stories just like that. Um, and my first ever high school, because this is like a positive for me, my first ever mm-hmm. high school game as a pitcher that I entered into, I entered the game in the 10th inning in a 0-0 tie, which high school games are only seven innings, so we're in extra innings. And I pitched all the way into the 18th inning, and it was still 0-0. And then I proceeded to give up a walk-off home run on the first pitch of the 18th inning, I think it was. So... There's one story of Tom giving up a dinger. Uh, Another funny story. I threw meat, if you guys didn't know. I was actually pretty good, but I did throw meat occasionally. Um, I I I just didn't throw that hard. I only threw like high 70s. Um, Then my senior year, very, very windy day, a day in which six home runs were hit in the game, four for my team, two against me. But um, if you guys were, you know, if you you watch Big Ten football, you know this name, or if you're a Steelers fan, um, Cody White was a Michigan State receiver. And I knew he was committed to mm-hmm. Michigan State, where I was also going. But he was committed for football, not baseball. Still a good athlete, mm-hmm. of course. And um, he hit an absolute nuke off me at Wall Lake Western. And then I remember at uh, so I was telling like my, my family members that like, "Yo, Cody White hit a home run off me last week. <laughs> we still won the game." Yep. And then uh, at Michigan State that fall, like the second weekend there, it's like after a game, and I'm out with the boys, um, having a good time. And then like walking from house to house outside on the sidewalks. I walk past like Cody White and his friends. I'm like, dude, no way. You hit a home run off me last year on Wild Lake, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, oh, yeah, I remember that game. <laughs> it, was, it was funny. <laughs> but we were reflecting on when he hit a nuke off me. So that was also funny. I agree. Those are the stories I tell. I also play. I played Cody White in football. That kid was a machine. Yep. We could not cover him. I mean, a there pro was, I remember one. one yeah, I remember one play. We legitimately had three guys covering him in the end zone. He still caught a touchdown pass on us. But I agree with you. <laughs> there, there. Uh, those are the stories that like you tell, where it's like you you try to like claim a little piece of fame that like bo- not that, like doesn't belong to you at all. Like I, I like there's there's a few players that are popular now that I've played in sports, and I never hesitate to be like, oh, I played that kid mm-hmm. in youth football, or like, oh, I you know played him in lacrosse, or like whatever it is, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It is funny how we do that. <laughs> I'm trying to think. I, I don't think I've ever played anybody like top top caliber. Um, but there's a there's a player on uh. So on the Broncos, he's like probably there because they got some absolute weapons. KJ? So he's probably like there. Yes, KJ Hamler uh-huh. on the Broncos. So I played this kid <laughs> throughout youth football. He's from he played for Pontiac in Michigan, and uh, I remember one play specifically where I was playing linebacker and he was he was a running back and he he gets into the hole and I'm like kind of meeting him in the hole right to make a tackle and. This kid shakes me so bad that I don't even like I don't even like attempt a tackle. I basically just like fall backwards onto my onto my back essentially as he like goes for like a 45-yard run and kind of wanted just those like, you know, palms up yeah. type thing when coach asks you what happened like I don't really know what to tell you coach. coach. Like, the NFL kid, in a couple years just kid wait and shook see. me like I don't that kid is just like beyond my ability mm-hmm. and then, you know, few years later it's like he's on the Broncos. yeah because i didn't play football so like it's different for me because like 
I'm sure I did play against a lot of baseball guys that will get there one day. Getting to the majors in baseball is a lot much longer process than getting into the NFL, which is weird to say, but it's true. So like a lot of guys that I played against when I was younger, probably like getting to the majors in like the next three to four years, most likely, because we're only 23, 24 years old. Right. But you'll be able to claim it. You know, you'll be able to claim that fame. I will eventually if I (laughs) remember who they are. But yeah, always interesting. Any other news you got, Jack? Um, yeah, in other news, <laughs> NASA successfully uh, redirected in. A- OK, actually, they don't know if they redirected it yet, I believe, but they did successfully essentially crash a um, shuttle into an asteroid. Um, this, this was pretty cool. This was so, on purpose. This was on purpose. Um, it didn't. It wasn't really like a threat to Earth. Uh, it was kind of just like a experiment to see like if we could do it. So um, I believe last Monday it successfully impacted it, um, which is cool. Whatever. The coolest thing actually is, Tom. You know how Google likes to, uh, you know, kind of spice things up and sometimes change like the the Google format, right? Where you like go to the original Google tab yeah, and it's that, like maybe that, for how that used to be a cool yeah. thing. And now it's like they overdo it. It's every day. It's something new. And I'm like, OK, guys, you've overplayed this oh, one. OK, so you're going to want to Google uh, NASA DART. So DART stands for double asteroid redirection test. If you Google this, it's a pretty cool animation that comes up. So I think you guys at home should check it out. Maybe read an article about it. Space is cool. It's cool that we're whoa, doing what's that cool? kind of whoa, stuff. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, crazy see? On me. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that cool? I told you. That dude. is pretty sweet. That's yeah, why Google's I always company. miss those. I, I see like you're saying you didn't like them. I always got hyped when Google did that. Well, before I feel like it was like a cool thing. Like before it was like a special day when Google looked all fancy. But I swear it's like several times a week nowadays. I didn't yeah. know from Googling certain things you could trigger an animation. That I've never seen before. That's a first for me. So is there any what's what's the significance of NASA doing this? Is this to prevent the Earth from dying to a giant asteroid if it's ever coming right at us? Yeah, I mean I think um I mean we can you know there are there there's evidence of obviously asteroids hitting uh the Earth in in its history. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, and it could be a concern obviously for humanity, um, if one was large enough to really, you know, give us an issue. So I guess really, it's just nice to know that we can kind of defend ourselves in space from whatever might be trying to come at us. So I think that's kind of really what it was, was to just prove like, all right, we can kind of redirect things if they're going to cause us a problem. All right. Well, I like that segment. It's fun. Talk about some current events. Talk about other stuff going on. Good to show you guys some yeah. of our personalities. So we'll try to incorporate that at least like every other week. Jack, before we go, um, I know we're still about a week away, but I wanted to address the October 10th announcement we have on MLW. And some of you listening are probably like, oh, yeah, I think I remember seeing that. And some of you are probably like, what are you talking about? Well, we kind of teased in an Instagram graphic on the MLW account that we're going to be doing a little announcement on October 10th. And I just want you guys to know that like this is this is not something to be like, this is not just any other announcement. This is the most significant announcement in MLW history. I'm telling you guys right now. This is huge. Uh, I will. I must say I've been sitting on this information for quite a while and uh, I cannot wait for it to be released to the public because I agree. It is... Uh, 
it is huge for our league. Um, just very cool. Uh, I think that you guys are going to be pretty impressed and floored with uh, with the announcement. So, yeah, for the for the MLW guys that do know, um, we've been keeping our lips sealed for the last few months, and um, everybody else in the public, even like my friends, family, want to know what's going on. I've been keeping my lips sealed as well. But we're super excited to bring this news to you guys. This this news, I mean, this is going to be a a stepstone for future endeavors for the league. I think. Um, we've been trying to improve every year, trying to do new things. And this is just another incredible stepping stone for, for the league. Yeah. I think we're all about, you know, breaking the boundaries of what people thought was possible with Wiffle Ball and with our brand and our, and our YouTube channel. And I think, um, this announcement here is, uh, one of the more significant things we've ever done. So be sure you guys stay on the lookout October 10th. There will be a YouTube video, a short one revealing the news and um, excited to share it with you all. So I had to drop that in there today. We've been rambling on for a pretty long time, so we appreciate you guys for tuning in. Appreciate it as always. Make sure you tell a friend about Pipe It Up. Appreciate all the love, and we will see you guys next week. I'm going to pause, Jack. All right. I got to pee so bad.